0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Martinez, on a very brisk Thursday afternoon, February 6th, 2020. Originally, I had planned for today a three and a half hour long parade celebrating my excellence because as you know, I am a psychic and I'm just, you know, on average, the best. I'm I'm just the greatest. Like I I want to be real with you. I don't like to overinflate myself, but if we're being realistic, I'm just flat out the best. I am the best. That's all I can say. Had all of our prop bets hit, everything, the coin toss, the Gatorade, the national anthem. That was fun. Had all that all worked out for me. I hope you took my advice cuz if you did, you made a whole lot of money on Sunday afternoon. That wasn't even the tip of the iceberg. The best part is I picked the game right. And not only did I pick the correct winning team, I predicted how the game would play out. Jimmy Garoppolo was going to have the football with an opportunity to seal the game away and did not. And even after that, had an opportunity to win the game, make a get a go-ahead score to win the Super Bowl, did not accomplish that. And I said that was probably what it was going to come down to. It was probably going to come down to Jimmy Garoppolo with the ball in his hands. And that's ultimately what happened. And, you know, I was right. I was 100% right. The psychic strikes again. I was originally... It, this, t- today's episode was supposed to be that, but for three hours straight. Like, that was what today was going to be. And then we had some pretty shocking, surprising, breaking news in the wide world of sports. So I figured... And then today, that wasn't even... Today, that was a few days ago, and then today's the NBA trade deadline. Nothing huge went down, but we will have that stuff for you uh, later on in the show. So I figured I can't sacrifice the news that came down this week just for myself cuz I'm going to be right again down the road. Like there will be plenty more opportunities for me to just, you know, what's the word I'm looking for here? You know, just parade myself around because you know I again, I am the greatest. I'm the best. I am. I mean, just for lack of any better term, I am the best so this will not be the last time i had the last chance i have to gas myself up for three and a half hours so we'll let this one slide and we'll just move on to the next one because that's usually how we take care of business around here so getting to said breaking news and it isn't breaking at this point but when it did break it was um shattering news by the way in case you hear any background noise they're doing like work on like on my street or whatever so um, yeah, if you hear any like buzz sawing or any sound of the sort, that's what it is. Um, I tried to sue the entire city. Um, I lost that one. I did not win. So, uh, yeah, if you hear any background noise, uh, that's what it is. Just want to get that out of the way out of my control, but you know, what can you do? So back to said breaking news, Los Angeles Dodgers agreed to a trade with the Boston Red Sox and the Minnesota Twins. Agreed to a trade? Did I say that? I don't know if I I did so much build up I didn't realize if I said the whole thing correctly. The Los Angeles Dodgers and Boston Red Sox along with the Minnesota Twins all agree, agreed to a three-team trade centered around Mookie Betts and yeah, David Price too. Um going to the Los Angeles Dodgers. The trade at this Point At the time of this recording is still not official and people are starting to get a little bit impatient a little bit concerned I understand why but I don't think this whole deal is going to collapse based off of one physical from a prospect uh, Famous final words, uh, but at this point the trade is agreed upon. It's not Officially done technically, but it's it's done like it's happening so the uh, the Boston Red Sox send Mookie Betts David Price to the Los Angeles Dodgers in exchange for Al, in exchange for Alex Verdugo from the Dodgers and a pitching prospect uh, from the Minnesota Twins uh, in exchange. Well, that's what they that's what the Red Sox get. They get a prospect. They get Verdugo. Um, they get also the benefit the benefit of not having David Price's contract on the book, So that is a plus as well. The Twins got shafted. I mean, they got absolutely shafted in this deal. They send away, I believe it was their number three prospect, if not their number three pitching prospect. I just remember that number three was said, you know, in some context while this trade was going down. But they send out one of their top prospects regardless in exchange for Kentamaeda. Maeda. So the Dodgers ship out Verdugo, Kentamaeda, Maeda, and then in a separate deal to make more room for David Price's ridiculously stupid contract, they also... Um, sacrificed jock peterson and ross stripling to the uh, anaheim angels in exchange for luis rangifo but that was done more so to free up cap space Um, but the twins they got one player a mid-level starter and i like kent i really do Um, i like him a lot actually i really like kent to but let's be let's be honest he's a number three starter Number two starter at best. And I'm talking about like in a career year, he's a number two starter. And they shipped out their one of their top pitching prospects. So the Twins, I, they did need pitching. I mean, we all know they sorely needed pitching. Not as bad as teams as like the Angels or anything like that. But they did need pitching. I guess they got it. But it came at a very high cost for the Minnesota Twins uh, in my personal opinion. But that's not the story. Story is not the twins. They do get Kent Maeda, good for him, and good for the twins, I guess. They both find a home in each other. But the news here is the Dodgers acquiring acquiring Mookie Betts and to a lesser extent David Price. This, they were already probably going to be the favorites coming out of the NL. This just solidifies the Dodgers are going to the World Series. The Dodgers are going to win the NL, and it's not even going to be close. The Braves got worse. The Nationals, who they lost to last year, got worse. The Cardinals, in in some extent, got kind of worse. And the Dodgers got better. They got a lot. But the only team in the NL that got better, I would say, other than the Dodgers, I mean, definitively, uh, maybe the Mets. Maybe the Mets. Sort of, kind of. But they didn't even make the playoffs last year. So I don't know if you can say, well, that's the biggest challenge to the Dodgers is the Mets. Because they have, a, obviously, they're, they're built on pitching. But they've been shopping around Syndergaard for like two or three years. So you don't even know what the situation is there. And if the Mets start losing games, they're probably just going to blow it up and, and start over anyway. So I don't, the Dodgers are going to win the NL. They're going to the World Series. Will they win said World Series? Does this move make them the surefire favorites in Major League Baseball? Short answer, no. Short answer, no. Long answer, it's the New York Yankees. Still, I, Mookie Betts is, is like the perfect fit for the Dodgers. A right-handed hitter who can get on base, drive in runs, hit for power. He does it all. He's a true five-tool player is Mookie Betts. Gold glove winner. Now Cody Bellinger, who is a reigning gold glove winner in right field. He now moves to center field. He just won a gold glove, reigning NL MVP last year's AL MVP in right field. I mean, defensively, they're one of the best. Their lineup is going to be one of the deepest in all of baseball. They have the number two prospect in all of baseball batting out of the eight hole. Or excuse me, the seven hole and the eight hole. They have Will Smith who, I mean, razzled and dazzled last year in his rookie year behind the dish for the Dodgers. But I will say the Yankees... Bringing in Garrett Cole just elevates the entire franchise. What that team was missing was a number one starter. And they absolutely got one in the form of Garrett Cole. I told you this was going to make the entire franchise better. The entire team, entire franchise better did Garrett Cole. I think their starting rotation is better, are the Yankees. Definitively. Their bullpen is better, and that's not a detriment to the Dodgers. The Yankees have the best bullpen in all of baseball, so that's not really a slight against the Dodgers. That's, I mean, how good the Yankees are. You look at the Yankees' rotation, they have Cole, obviously, number one, Luis Severino, and then they have Tanaka. And here's why I say Tanaka, number three. They will lose, or actually Domingo um, Santana, number three, they do lose James Paxton. He just had surgery just yesterday or two days ago. He will be out for four to six months. So he's going to be out a while. But think about this. He will be back around July trade deadline time, around that time period. So he will have time to get back in the swing of things. I feel I don't know if this is going to be a Luis Severino situation where they miss him. He essentially missed all of last season. Did Severino? He will be healthy and ready to go this year. But now you're talking. Just think about when uh, Paxton does come back. You're talking about Cole, Severino, Paxton. One, two, three. That's going to be their rotation. And behind them, they have the monster bullpen. I mean, it's it's the most dominant in baseball. Their bullpen, and they lost pieces from last year. They lost uh, Dylan Patentis. He goes to the Mets. They their bullpen is worse than what it was last year, and it is still the best. In the game so I feel that the Yankees right now are still the number one I think the Dodgers are just slightly trailing behind them it's oh so slight because if you look at the Dodgers rotation you're looking at now Walker Buehler he's the certified number one Clayton Kershaw did not have a good year by his own standards he had a f- fairly average season which is horrendous when you're talking about Clayton Kershaw standards David Price on and off the field with injuries last year. He has that hellacious contract that's not going to be making anybody feel better about his performance. And he has had a very long history himself of struggling in the postseason. They do bring back Alex Wood to their starting rotation. Then they have all those young guys behind him. Dustin May, who, I mean, we don't know what we're going to get for him. Or we don't know what we're going to see from him. Because he is a prospect. Then you have Tony Gonsolin, another prospect. Caleb Ferguson, not a prospect, but no longer... Uh, or excuse me, he hasn't had the chance to be a full-time starter. So I think the Dodgers are one pitcher away. Their bullpen, I think, is going to be formidable. It's not as good as the Yankees, but it is formidable. You're talking about Kenley Jansen, uh, Joe Kelly, Pedro Baez. I think uh, they're going to be very much. Oh, and Blake Trinan. They do bring. They bring in Blake Trinan from the A's. I think he is due for a bounce-back campaign. Will he be 2018, Blake Trinan best closer in the game? I'm not going to go that far, but I do think he will have a bounce-back season this year after losing his closing role to Liam Hendricks uh, in the Oakland A's. But here's the thing. The Dodgers are a pitcher short, a starter or another reliever short of being the World Series favorites. But the beauty about this Mookie Betts deal for the Dodgers, I love every bit of this deal. They gave up zero prospects. They gave up absolutely none of their top prospect. They, gave, they said they were absolutely under no circumstances trading Gavin Lux, and they were able to get away with that. They did not want to trade Dustin May, their top pitching prospect. They hang on to him. Uh, Tony Gonsolin, the next best uh, pitching prospect that the Dodgers have behind Dustin May. They hang on to him. Kyber Ruiz, one of their top prospects, period. He's a catcher uh, in the Dodgers system. They didn't even need him because they have Will Smith. Like Kyber Ruiz is a guy who I felt there, he he will be gone by the time this winter is over because you have now Will Smith. There is no longer a need for Kyber Ruiz. They held on to him. Their only quote unquote prospect that they gave up was no longer considered a prospect. He had a full year of MLB service under his belt. Was Alex Verdugo, and he is a very bright young MB, uh, excuse me MLB player, almost said NBA uh, MLB player. I think he's going to have a very nice career with the Boston Red Sox. Will he be Mookie Betts? Probably not. But they hang on to all of their prospects. So, they are prime they're in a prime position to make another blockbuster deal at the deadline. And if the Dodgers are true about what they have said over the winter that they are ready and they are ready to commit to a win now season, which they have proven now, they did make a deal especially with bringing on David Price and that horrendous contract i cannot stress that enough they are ready to make a commitment to winning and winning right now so if that is still true come july do not be surprised if the dodgers make a run at get ready for this josh Hader. at josh Hader, this off season during the winter meetings the brewers were kind of testing the water seeing what kind of deals and offers they could get from josh Hader. didn't necessarily get what they were hoping for And in a very competitive NL Central where the Reds are... I mean, I really like what the Reds have have done this offseason. They're going to be very good. The Cardinals are still very good. The Cubs have a good roster. They'll be competitive. I don't know if they'll win the division or make the playoffs with the Cubs, but they will be competitive in that division. The NL Central is pretty stacked. So if the Brewers start losing games and they start falling behind... You gotta start thinking about, you know, what can we get in return for this guy, Josh Hader? And the Dodgers, if because they were able to keep all these prospects, if they really are serious about just winning it right now and you know, maybe making another run at it next year, they can move some of those prospects to the Brewers in exchange for the best closer in the game, bar none. And Josh Hader would not be a rental. He doesn't have multiple years on his contract, but he does have multiple years of control. I mean that by like two or three years. Like this wouldn't be a one and done deal. The Dodgers would be getting some level of return from Josh Hader, and then you add that to that already, you know, formidable bullpen that the Dodgers have built this off season. Now we're talking about something a little bit different. They get a lot closer, perhaps past the New York Yankees if they're able to bring in Josh Hader or a name that they were tied to this off season already, Mike Clevenger from the Indians. Like they were already talking about the deal before bets and price we were hearing about was Clevenger and Lindor. I don't think they'll be able to pull that off by the trade deadline, but I wouldn't be surprised if they make a run at Mike Clevenger and they're able to bring him in anyway by this July. Now you're talking about Walker Buehler, Clevenger, Kershaw, Price, and then all those guys get moved to the bullpen. They just get a whole lot deeper. It's get a lot like Garrett Cole. He, you put him in that number one spot in the Yankees, everyone who moves a slot down, and you feel a whole lot better about that rotation. Like now Luis Severino is a number two. Uh, James Paxton is a number three starter. Just think about that for a second. Last year when we were talking about the Yankees don't have enough pitching, all of a sudden their pitching staff is just godlike, quite frankly. So uh, for me personally, this does not. This makes the Dodgers incred- exponentially better. It does. It improves the franchise. I'm not going to say one of those guys. This, I'm not going to be one of those guys who says this doesn't do anything. The Dodgers are the same. This doesn't make them any better. How can this not make the Dodgers any better? This balances the lineup, by the way, because they do kind of, They were extremely lefty heavy. They do get that finally uh, a right-handed power bat, or not even a power bat. Mookie Betts can hit for contact, for average, uh, for power. He can do it all. He's a 5 2 player. But they do get a right-handed bat, an impact right-handed bat. How about we leave it? Uh, right there, but I do think they're they're one starter or reliever. I think they need another pitcher. Their pitchers right now just don't compare to the Yankees. Quite frankly, their lineup their lineup is deep enough to compete with the Yankees. I do believe that, but the pitching staffs I don't think are particularly close right now. That could change over the course of the summer. And speaking of said trades, today was the NBA trade deadline, and uh, there weren't really any blockbuster deals any huge names uh, flying around the market which you should have expected if you pay any attention to the NBA you have to understand this is an NBA 2k this isn't a game you can't just call an NBA GM front office executive whatever and just say hey I want to make a deal let's make a deal right now within the next hour no these things take a lot of time and a lot of negotiating it doesn't happen over the course of an afternoon so we didn't really hear any huge rumors any big names over the course of the last week or two uh, i think the biggest name that we constantly kept hearing about was clint capella he gets dealt to the atlanta hawks um, that was the biggest name we were hearing about he is no by far not the biggest name traded today there were some pretty big players uh traded. not i wouldn't say you know s tier superstars but you know all-star caliber players for sure uh good players were, were moved today a lot of these i don't like I'll tell you right off the bat, I don't like a lot of these trades for teams. They're just confusing moves, and I think these teams are confused about the their the angle of of which their team is heading. Like I don't think these teams' perceptions of themselves are as accurate as they should be. And I'll tell you what I mean by that uh, right now. The first what I mean by that first is a perfect example: Andre Drummond heading to the Cleveland Cavaliers this This makes absolutely zero sense. This makes exactly zero sense. I was under the impression that the Cavaliers were undergoing a rebuild, and not only was I under the impression the Cavaliers are undergoing a rebuild they're lousy they are they're they're terrible they're one of the worst teams in the east i mean they're what they should have done or what they were supposed to have done, I should say was sell players. I mean we're supposed to get rid of Kevin Love give him an opportunity to play for a winner and yet they're buying they brought in Andre Drummond this makes absolutely no sense from any standpoint I don't understand this one bit what they were supposed to have done was ship out all their veteran players the last few that they had specifically Kevin Love to anywhere it didn't have to be to a win now scenario but just any team there there would have been plenty of teams lining up to get Kevin Love He's still a very good player. You don't hear about him because he's on a lousy Cleveland Cavalier team, which is kind of his fault because he did sign that extension. I don't know what – or maybe maybe it wasn't his fault. Maybe he got you know misinformation from the front office. They told him they were going to try to win, and that is absolutely not the case. And now all of a sudden you're scrambling to bring in another player at the, dead, the deadline. Let's go get Andre Drummond. That will help us right now. It doesn't help you right now. It certainly does not help you for the long term. You know, people hated for the Sixers for what they did. The process, I, I, I respect it. I I am pro tanking. I've said that in the past before, and I say it again now. I am absolutely 110% pro tank. Do not, however, drag down people like Kevin Love who are not pro tank and they want to be in a winning scenario. If they if they're not a part of the long-term future and they don't they don't want to be a part of the vision, that's fine. A lot of people do not like the tank. You know, the, the tanking teams and, and the tanking, um, I guess, model that some teams have, have taken on. I do. I think it builds the best long-term success. And the Cavs are just, they're kind of studying their own growth. When you bring in a good player like this to a lousy team, yes, Andre Drummond's is going to help them win games. That's not what the Cavs were trying to do. The Cavs are trying to rebuild that entire roster. And the best way to do that, you're not going to bring in free agents to Cleveland, is through the draft. And Andre Drummond helping you win games is not helping you with the ping-pong balls. I hate this move. I love Andre Drummond, but I do not like this move for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I don't like a lot of things that the Cleveland Cavaliers do, so this is kind of on brand for them. Moving on, Marcus Morris goes to the L.A. Clippers. Uh, you know, they were in kind of in a bidding war with the L.A. Lakers. Both of the L.A. teams wanted to bring in uh, the guard from the New York Knicks. The Knicks were kind of asking a, a pretty high... Steep price from the Lakers, I, I suppose, uh, in, in the form of Kyle Kuzma. They, the Lakers take Kyle Kuzma off the table, therefore paving the way for the LA Clippers. Look, this everything that the Clippers do is about building their depth. They were already the deepest team in the league as far as scoring from the bench. Um, and this just adds to that because now you slot another guy back down to the bench and, you know, you're just taking away minutes from the rest of the roster, which I think is a good thing. I'm not, I am know that sounds kind of negative, but you're spreading the minutes around. You're taking pressure off of Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, specifically Kawhi Leonard because he's Mr. Load Management himself. you got to win games in, in the regular season. Um, I think as long as they stay at the number two seed, the Clippers, they'll be fine because right now currently the Lakers are the number one seed. And even if... The Lakers and the Clippers, and I hope this is, I think all basketball fans are praying we get the series. Western Conference Finals, one and two seed, the Lakers, Clippers. I think what they're thinking is we're not traveling. It's the same arena. As far as home court advantage goes, they play in the same building. Now, I feel, you know, L.A. is still, was, is still, and always will be a Laker town. So, I mean, they're going to be outnumbered in the playoffs, but at least for them, they can say, well, we don't have to travel to. I don't know, Houston, halfway across the country, you know, three games out of a seven game series. We can stay in our homes for seven games of the series. As long as they stay in that number two spot, they will be just fine. So they don't necessarily have to win games. I think they'd like to have, you know, their home paint for majority of the series. I don't think that's a huge deal. It's it's gonna be in the same arena. So I think this deal takes a lot of pressure. This is obviously gonna help them right now and in the postseason. Hashtag hot take because you get Marcus Morris, he can score. I think he's putting up 19 points a game right now for the Knicks, which is, you know, by far the best production that they're getting out of anyone from the New York Knicks. So, yeah, good on the Clippers. This one I do like. Again, they're all about depth. They understand they don't need another superstar. They just need another helping hand on that team, another score, another guy to take off, you know, some scoring load from Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and he can play some defense as well. So uh, good on the Clippers for this one. I am a fan of Marcus Morris to the Clippers. Now, moving on again. This one came, uh, came down last night. Uh, Andre Iguodala, he finally gets traded the Memphis Grizzlies. To their credit, they were as stubborn as they possibly could have been. Did not want to buy out Andre Iguodala. Were determined to find a deal for him. And to their credit, they got what they wanted. They got a deal for Andre Iguodala. I thought they should have just bought him out. I thought I didn't like that they were being so stubborn because, again, if there's someone who doesn't want to be in that scenario in a losing scenario, they should have the opportunity to walk out. And I think some of the players are not. I think a lot of the players, specifically Dylan Brooks and John Morant, you know, the welcome was starting to get worn out with Andre Iguodala not wanting to play with them. That I understand as well. If you don't want to play with us, get out of here. I think the players wanted the team to just buy out uh, Iguodala and just get him out of Memphis. But the front office, uh, you know, props to them, they they were stuck in their ways. But it ended up, it ended up paying off for them. They do get a, a return for Andre Iguodala. And this was like a very complicated deal. I don't have the return here for you because the the framework is still being like set out. This is a 48 player, six team deal. It's not just straight up Memphis and Heat. It's there. There are so many teams involved. I think it's. Memphis the heat I want to say the thunder because they're they're trying to bring uh, Gallinari to the heat as well So I don't have the return for you just yet because it is Nuts, I mean it's a 48 player deal not literally But I mean like half the league is involved in this trade, but what you need to know is Andre Iguodala Will be playing for the Miami heat. I don't think this moves the needle for them I don't say this pushes them over the top and makes them favorites in the east, but I will say this Miami is for real. They are legit. The Miami Heat are legit. They are, I mean, they can, I don't know if they will beat the Bucks in the seven-game series, um, but they are very good. And I would not be entirely shocked. I wouldn't be stunned if they did beat the Milwaukee Bucks. This just adds another weapon to their arsenal, specifically defensively. uh, And that's kind of what the bread and butter of the Miami Heat is this year especially when you're bringing Jimmy Butler, you know, you're going to have to be a hard nosed defensive team and that's what they've done and they complement that with three point shooting on offense. Look, Andre's not a three point shooter. So as far as that goes, I mean that that's not helping the team much, but they do have the three point shooting in place. Kind of like with the Warriors, like they had the three point shooters in place, they needed they needed a tough veteran defender. I think this is a great scenario for the uh, the Heat and I'm happy for Andre Iguodala he gets to play for now uh, a winning functional organization and I think the Grizzlies no disrespect to them they're not winning right now but I love John Moran they will be winning in the very near future I would say so there's that one uh, Clint Capella he gets sent away from the Rockets to the Hawks uh, in exchange for Robert Covington look I don't know how I feel about this one I like Robert Covington as a player I think I like him on the Rockets kind of a three and D player he f- complements the Rockets I think pretty well he can knock down some shots and again he can play some defense I think he fits well within the Rockets um, current roster here's the problem though it cost them Clint Capella and Clint Capella is not a superstar you know center he's not he's not one of the best centers in the game he can play Clint Capella is a starting formidable center in the NBA and now the Rockets go to I mean, you heard a small ball before. This is getting like ridiculous. Like PJ Tucker is now going to probably be their center. It's going to be a five-out running gun kind of game. I wouldn't be surprised if Mike D'Antoni starts playing like like college basketball style, like zone or full court press because they have absolutely zero big men. They have Tyson Chandler, I suppose, but I don't know if you're going to slot him into the starting lineup and just expect twenty-five, thirty minutes from him all of a sudden. So, um, I like Robert Covington, but when you start to look more at how the Rockets' roster is going to be constructed, I don't know how, I, I, I don't know how this is going to work. It's going to be interesting to see what Mike D'Antoni comes up with, but especially when you look at the West, and specifically the Lakers, the big men that they can deploy at you, it's, I mean, there's a lot of matchup nightmares that the Rockets can both present, to teams and be faced with. So it's a double-edged sword that they're going to be working there. Clint Capella to the Hawks. I like the Hawks. I like them adding a a true big man. Uh, It it draws the defense closer in towards the basket. It forces you to respect their scoring from inside the paint. And what does that do? It just gives Trey Young more room to operate from 50 feet away from the basket, which I am a fan of. I'm not complaining. I know some guys want, you know, some of the old fellows. They don't like Trey Young shooting from 40 feet. After Dribbling 60 times in one possession. I love it. You know, I love the I love the three-point shot. I'm never gonna I'm never gonna um, Have a negative opinion about too much shooting. So uh, I like Clint Capella I think it complements the rest of the team very well So uh, yeah, and the best time to shoot a three is after an offensive rebound Clint Capella can definitely go get you some boards So uh, good on the Hawks for that one this one I do like I know I said I didn't like most of them and now as I'm realizing now I'm saying most of them, yeah, this is a pretty good deal, I like this. Uh, And finally, the biggest one, I guess you could say, the biggest name that was moved in today's uh, trade market. This one kind of came out of nowhere, but not really. Uh, D'Angelo Russell gets traded from the Golden State Warriors, San Francisco Warriors, to the Minnesota Timberwolves in exchange for Andrew Wiggins and a couple of picks protected. Uh, 2021 first round protected, and then a 2022 second round pick protected. From the Timberwolves there are two sides to this on one end I love this deal I this is a perfect perfect deal for one end on the other side I really don't see what they were thinking and I think you probably know which way I'm going with this I love this for the Timberwolves they have been trying to get this deal done now for about three or four years Probably since D'Angelo Russell was with the Lakers, they were trying to get this deal done. One of the biggest problems in Minnesota was the culture and is the culture. The environment there was, is toxic. It's, it's not a winning culture. And they've lost, what is it, 12 straight or 13 straight, have the Minnesota Timberwolves. And they've tried different things. Look, they had Jimmy Butler for a second, and that failed so spectacularly. It was, I mean, a joke. Yes, they were in the playoffs, and I think they were. At one point, they were a two seed, Then Jimmy Butler got hurt, and they went down to the fifth seed, I believe. And, you know, it just the wheels just fell off. It was a nightmare to begin with. And, you know, I kind of was blaming Jimmy Butler, saying, you know, maybe he's not a franchise player, maybe he can't lead a locker room. But then, you see him over in Miami and how dominant they are. Okay, maybe now the problem is with Carl Anthony Towns. And Carl anthony Towns has been feuding with Andrew Wiggins, and they have not gelled in the slightest. It just was such an awkward look on the basketball court. They did not work together. So the, the, front op- the Minnesota front office has tried several different things or d- different players, different schemes with Carl anthony Towns. None of them have worked. That's why they've tried to make this deal happen. If we can't get other guys to work with Carl anthony Towns, how about we bring in guys that he actually likes? Let's bring in his friends. Maybe this will unlock Carl Anthony Towns. And they finally get this done. I love this deal for the Minnesota Timberwolves. A- Andrew Wiggins is lousy. Andrew Wiggins is lousy. I don't know what he is. I don't know what he. I don't know if he's a scorer. I don't know if he's a shooter, a defender. I don't know what Andrew Wiggins is as a player. And again, I'm kind of putting blame around everyone in Minnesota. I don't like Andrew Wiggins. Carl Anthony Towns hasn't gelled with anyone, but now... I'm thinking, okay, maybe this is his last chance. Maybe this is his opportunity. We got you exactly who you wanted to play with. No more excuses. Are they going to make the playoffs? No, absolutely not. But this is a trade made for next season. And so I I, I like the Timberwolves a lot next year. Make a run at the playoffs. I like this move for the Wolves a lot because they had to get rid of Andrew Wiggins. Wasn't working with Carl Anthony Towns. And you can't get rid of Carl Anthony Towns because, again, you're not going to get equal value. You're kind of like in a New Orleans Pelicans scenario but unlike the pelicans they were able to find a way to um i guess complement their their superstar with someone who he specifically wanted to play with so for the wolves i love this deal i think i think dilo complements carl anthony towns so so perfectly i can't wait to watch these two play this is the most exciting trade of the deadline and it also isn't because these two aren't going to be in the playoffs this year so it's the biggest name on the market and yet it doesn't it's not overly exciting because we're not going to see these guys in the postseason or in a competitive, you know, in any competitive games until next year at the earliest. Looking to the other side now. This trade makes no sense in my opinion for the Golden State Warriors. And I think we're kind of overvaluing the Golden State Warriors' front office now, kind of like how we do with the Patriots. Like the Patriots can pick up a guy off, you know, the the AAF, the AF. And we're going to say that guy's, that guy's got potential because of the Patriots. And we just trust everything they do. I think that's kind of what people are leaning towards with the Warriors. Because I've seen a lot of people say, wow, great pickup for the Warriors. They're setting up for next year. Again, what is Andrew Wiggins? What is he? I don't know what his game is. I have no idea what he is as a player. He's not a particularly good three-point shooter. He's not a decent three-point shooter. He, he cannot shoot the basketball. He's not a Devin Booker level score, isolation score. He's, quite frankly, lazy on defense. He is not an impact defender. I don't know what Andrew Wiggins is or how he complements this team. And maybe that's the point. Maybe this is some 4D underwater chess that the Warriors are playing. Maybe D'Angelo Russell was too good. And they were winning too many games at this point. They actually have the worst record in the West. Maybe they wanted to really tank. And guarantee they had that number one pick next year. And that's why I think they should have kept D'Angelo Russell in the first place. Yes, they're getting back Steph Curry. They're getting back Clay next year. So they're going to have a surplus of guards if they had kept D'Angelo Russell. But they would have been set up for the future. D'Angelo Russell, I what is this, his fifth or sixth season in the league? He's still a young pup. He's got many years ahead of him. You'd have your point guard of the future. And then you could draft another scoring wing. Anthony Edwards from Georgia in in the lottery this uh, in this coming draft this upcoming draft like it looked like the Warriors were going to set themselves up to win now and win later in this move yeah Andrew Wiggins isn't an old man by any stretch he has a lot of years left as well but there are a lot of lousy mediocre coming off the bench kind of years unfortunately I don't I don't like this move from from the Warriors standpoint at all at all, and I, and I know they get a first-round pick from the Timberwolves, but they didn't really necessarily need that. They're going to have a top-three pick guaranteed this year, if not the number one overall pick. I really don't like this move unless there's a point guard in this draft that they want to take for the future. And this would be kind of nutty. But what if they take Lamelo Ball? Do the Warriors see something in Lamelo Ball? And of course, I'm really, really reaching and stretching it right now. But why would you have gotten rid of D'Angelo Russell? It seemed like he wanted to stay in Golden State. He signed that extension, was saying, "Well, why would I not want to be in Golden State?" As soon as Stephen Clay come back, it's going to be a nightmare for the rest of the league. And D'Angelo Russell honestly was probably going to be the primary ball handler. Like they imagine Stephen Curry coming off of the ball purely. Because Stephen Curry obviously and Clay more so, uh, they they both come off of, of screens and catch and shoot scenarios. But imagine if Stephen Curry was purely a spot up shooter. Then I know that seems like you're kind of limiting his game a little bit, but you're also prolonging his career because he's not taking the pounding and getting to the rim constantly and getting you know colliding with big man full speed at the rim. I don't. I, I like the yeah, The idea of all three of those guards together, I really do. Andrew Wiggins, I. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how this is going to work. He doesn't compliment Stephen Curry or Clay Thompson's games at all. Again, he's like a mid-range shooter sort. If you had to pick one archetype for Andrew Wiggins, I guess he's a mid-range shooter. I guess that's the best asset of his game. He's not really a particularly great three-point shooter, so I don't know how that's going to work with. Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson, the greatest three-point shooting duo of all time. He's not a great defender, so I don't see him gelling very well with Draymond Green because he doesn't have any kind of defensive intensity. I don't like this, this move for the Warriors. This deal as a whole, I don't hate it because of how much I love it for the Wolves. This was a great deal for the Minnesota Timberwolves. One that they had been trying to go make for three seasons now. Three or four years they have been trying to bring D'Angelo Russell to Minnesota. They finally get it done. Good on Minnesota. Congratulations to them. I don't know if this is going to translate to titles, but I do. This is Carl Anthony Towns' last stand. In my opinion, this is the last opportunity for him to prove himself as a franchise player because he finally got who he wanted. Andrew Wiggins, it wasn't working. Okay, fine. We're bringing Jimmy Butler. That didn't work. Fine. We had to ship out Jimmy Butler and try it again with Andrew Wiggins. It, It wasn't working. And now will be bringing your best friend, your boy. You've been recruiting him for three, four years now. You finally got who you wanted. This is Karl-Anthony Towns' last chance to prove he's a franchise guy. And also, by the way, why does no one want D'Angelo Russell? I don't understand why no one wants D'Angelo Russell. The Lakers gave him up for Lonzo Ball. Are you kidding me? They gave him up for Alonzo Ball. The Nets let him go because, okay, they were going to get Kyrie Irving. Sure, that one I kind of see, but you could have, I don't know. i, I That one I, I kind of understand to a certain point. And also, you, you know, Kyrie and Kevin Durant. So that one I, I kind of give the Nets a pass for. But the Warriors, I, this was supposed to be their guard for the future. Once Stephen Curry hangs it up, you know, and you bring in whoever you're going to bring in at the lottery, I thought this was an opportunity for them to reset things and bring in the splash bros 2.0 but you know i'm not in charge uh maybe i should be but i'm not there are oh and the last that's it it's not that is not it the, the biggest move was one that was not made the los angeles lakers are staying pat with who they have they did not make a trade at the deadline uh, i said it two weeks ago and here's what's kind of this kind of heart uh, heart wrenching a little bit had the episode last, like two weeks ago, where I was saying the, the, guy, the, the guy the Lakers need to get is not Derek Rose, it's not Zach Levine. The guy they need to go get is Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie, they just need a starting point guard, and I gave, it was like a 30-minute segment. I was explaining the framework of the deal, how perfect it would be for both teams. It did not happen, but here's what's even more painful than that. The Lakers contacted the Nets about Spencer Dinwiddie just Last night, maybe 15 hours ago, they contacted Spencer uh, the Nets about Spencer Dinwiddie. Again, these deals take time. They don't just happen. So if that was, in fact, the first time the Lakers have inquired about Spencer Dinwiddie, the deal was probably not going to be done by 3 o'clock Eastern today. It it just wasn't going to happen. So it's kind of painful that potentially Rob Polinka was listening to the show and actually might have made this deal and they were interested in Spencer Dinwiddie. And it didn't get done, so that's kind of painful. But I will reiterate the point I made in that show. They, I think, they can win a title as currently constructed. Could they have gotten better via trade? Absolutely. You could say that about all thirty teams. All, everyone could get better from the right trade. Do I think they can win a title as currently constructed? Yes. Am I guaranteeing a title as of right now? No. I'm not going there now. I'm not saying the Lakers are winning the title. No, I think they can. I think they can win a title. Um, but this, it's just so painful because I, I really so close. So close to seeing exactly what I wanted. And yet, you got to wait till next year, I guess. It I guess, didn't exactly happen. And here's where things get e- extremely aggravating. The Lakers are set to work out J.R. Smith. That is a mistake. That is a flat-out accident. The La- I mean, the Lakers cannot make this mistake. If you want to stand Pat and you want to believe in your guys, please believe in your guys JR Smith. We don't need to see this again. We don't we don't need to see this buffoonery. And no disrespect to JR Smith, but I think, you know, I I don't want to see this happen. I don't I don't want to see that happen. I don't think you need another personality. I I I don't like any part of that. They are the favorites to sign Darren Collison who retired last year and is now contemplating coming back into the NBA, I don't think that could hurt. Because here's the thing. why I don't like J.R. Smith. They need a ball handling. They need a point guard. They need a starting point guard. I said that, and that was the point that I made about Spencer Dinwiddie and why it was so perfect, that deal. They need a starting point guard. Darren Collison, I don't know if he's a starter right now. He's been out of the game for almost a full calendar year. He's been out for a while. I don't, I don't know about a full calendar year, but he's been out of the game. We don't know what kind of shape he's in. Could he potentially take over the starting job at one point? Maybe, but he would be another point guard who has the ability to score for them. And that's something that they just don't have right now. They don't have a scoring point guard in general. So if you got one, if you got a, star, a scoring point guard, even if he's coming out of retirement, I think that's, you know, that's a plus for the Lakers because they don't have a scoring guard and J.R. Smith, He's not in Denver, J.R. Smith, or even New York Knicks, J.R. Smith. Like He's not going to score on his own. He's essentially a spot-up shooter right now. Um, that, that doesn't really move the needle for them. I think they need a ball-handling, scoring point guard. I don't like J.R. Smith uh, rumors. I don't like that one bit. Darren Collison is not Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> he's not Spencer Dinwiddie, but, you know, whatever. We'll see how that story uh, develops for the Lakers. That's going to bring us... To the end of this week's episode, no quote of the week because I am terrible at my job. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you for stopping by. Um, enjoy the games over the course of this weekend. Plenty of NBA action going on. When's the All-Star game? It, that's not this Sunday. It's next Sunday. I believe. Yeah, it's next Sunday. And then tonight, actually, is the NBA All-Star draft. So Team Giannis and Team LeBron... Will be drafting their all-star rosters, which will be played yes next weekend. So actually, next Thursday we'll have some all-star stuff for you. So yeah, enjoy the draft tonight, I guess. If that's you know what what you fancy. If not, um, you know I don't care. Do what you want. I'm not your dad. Uh, I will talk to you guys next week.